Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. On this week's episode of Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, I connect with Sam Adegoke, the Nigerian-American actor who stars as Jeff Colby in the hit TV series, Dynasty. We cover a lot of ground, from Sam's childhood as a pastor's kid in Nigeria to the family's big move to Minnesota. With humor and candor, Sam discusses how he made it to Hollywood, toxic masculinity, healing after loss, his hit show, and how his parents really feel about those kissing scenes. We laughed, we joked around, we talked deep. We had fun, and I hope you do too. Sam, it is fantastic to welcome you to A Different Take. It's been years since I last saw you. I am so excited. There's so much, so much for us to talk about. But before we get in, I mean, I'm just going to introduce yourself because I was going to go all in and talk about everything you've been doing on TV, Samadegoki, Jeff Colby, all of that. But I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. Thank you. Um, my name is Sam Adegoke, and uh, uh, I'm a storyteller. Uh, I'm an actor and a writer. Um, I was born in Nigeria, came to the States as the baby. Uh, we were first in New York for like a really, really short amount of time. And back then we had eight children with us. And my father's friend was like, listen, you can't exist in a family of eight in New York. So <laughs> we just we came to Minnesota on like a fluke, wow. you know, in like the summertime in Minnesota, like July, I think. And then November hit and my father quickly realized he'd made the wrong decision. You know, you can <laughs> frame a reference of what a winter was like in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I grew up in Minnesota and, um, you know, kind of came from this, this really great heritage of storytelling in my family. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of never left me. And I think a lot of people look now and they're like, oh, you're acting, you're, you're doing these things, but it's always been there. I just didn't necessarily have the courage to pursue it Yeah, for quite some time. So. so that story is very powerful right off the bat because <clears throat> you talked about eight children. The first thing that crossed my mind is, okay, that's not going to work in America. Now see, that's yeah. set up in Africa. You got that extra land, you know, in the village and sometimes even in the city. But in America, somehow the math doesn't always add up. Yeah. Yeah. No. What do they say? A a master in Africa is a messenger in America. Yeah. My father worked for the U.S. Embassy. He actually had no desire to come to the States. It was my mom that convinced him uh, to come. And and she was involved in a, a ministry at the time called Deepa Life Bible Church. Deepa Life. <laughs> it was just deep, deep life. Um, so my parents came in a crazy way. They came as like reverse missionaries. Uh, they kind of came to the states Wait, as missionaries. And what's a reverse missionary? You say reverse missionary? Well, missionaries going from America to Africa, right? Uh, doing the good work, you know. But they came from Africa to America yeah. to start this church. So I, I grew up. Uh, son of pastors yeah we we just had a a a big crazy insane loud nigerian family and and we always had random people staying with us and it was a very interesting childhood it's a whole nother story Uh, see i want to hear more about that because you say we had a lot of people staying with us and i can remember 
growing up, it was a family of seven, right? Like five kids and the parents and maybe a house help. But in the summer, somehow we'd be 19 people sometimes, 15 people. And it worked. It's like people come through, cousins from the village, yeah. we go over there and suddenly the house has 15 people. My American friends don't understand that. They're like, what, what do you mean? Why are there so many people in the same house? Yeah. yeah, I mean, me and my siblings, we joke that we grew up sleeping next to complete strangers because my, my parents, they actually helped like a lot of migrant Nigerian families. Yeah. So our house became like the stop. People would crash with us for weeks on end. So in addition to eight children, mom and dad, anywhere from, like you said, 15 to 20, like a full village in like a three-bedroom house. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. It can be a lot. But, but it's also fun, right? So I just put out an article on Medium about the expat life yesterday. And one of the things that I talked about was loneliness, right? Because I think sometimes mm. being an expat looks very glamorous. I talked about that mm -hmm. and that one really struck a lot of people like, oh, okay, so this is this is hard. But that's one of the things I never really worried about growing up as a child, right? Because you're constantly surrounded and it's yeah. a lot of people, it's a lot of energy, sometimes a little too much. But yeah. now where it's just my little guy, you know, I can appreciate just having a big family and having cousins around. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I love it. I mean, you didn't realize what you had then. Yes. Uh, but now, you know, someday when I, you know, finally start my own family, we'll, we'll have as many as... Where is that going to be, lives. Sam? Yeah, one day will be one day now. <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's not the purpose of this interview, I bet. The purpose of this interview the is everything. It's everything. It's everything. Okay. It's everything. So when I meet the right one. When I meet the right one. <laughs> so tell mm -hmm. me, you're the son of a Nigerian pastor. You're an immigrant. Mm -hmm. Just hearing you speak, you you speak, I wanted to say you have an accent, but you speak like you come from a different place that's not America. So how did you get into acting in America? My first kind of, I think, introduction into acting was in the church. Mm. Um, my parents, when I say like life revolved around church, it's, it's an understatement. Like we're literally in church every damn day of the week, okay? And forgive life. me, I'm not going to the I cuss from time to time. Deeper um, life. <laughs> so I used to hate going to church. Like, I, I literally, I liked, like, praise and worship and, like, you know, seeing my friends, but I, I, I hated being in church all the time because I was an athlete. I wanted to play basketball mm. and these other sports, and, of course, I could never do that, you know, because it was about Jesus, you know, you have to come <laughs> to church, you have to pray. One thing I did love about church, though, is that being a pastor's son, I had to be involved. So we always did plays. We had this little small, like, theater group, if you will. Yeah. Um, and my brother would write materials. My sister would write materials. And we performed, like, every single biblical play in the book. You know, we did the birth, the resurrection, the death. We did Noah's Ark. We did the story of David and Goliath. We, we did stuff that was faith-based but wasn't in the Bible. Like, we just always performed. And, and that was, I think, the first time that I realized, like, I really enjoyed this as yeah. a medium. I didn't quite know what it was then. I just knew I liked being up there, dressing up, you know, talking to people, make believe. And I just yeah. I thought it was amazing. Throughout high school, you know, I was a big jock. I was captain of track and field, football, basketball. You know, you walk around with your chest all puffed out. <laughs> Feeling and, all good uh, about yourself. But I was this I was an artist as well, you know. So I had like this two worlds that what I now realize was my own toxic masculinity didn't allow me to want to admit that I wanted to do. You, you can't be captain of track and on a football team and then go do like the school play like the shit's not gonna work out you know what i mean like it just don't happen you're gonna lose all your cool points 
And uh, so oh, wow. I, uh, so I just never, I never really did it, right? And then my freshman year in college, I was enrolled in an arts program. And um, my siblings now, you know, half of them are doctors. You know, that whole cliche Nigerian story the arts wasn't really encouraged in my house. Yeah. You know, even though we have a very artistic family, like I have two of my brothers right now, like as I'm looking at you on this screen right now, they'll sketch you and it'll blow your mind like how, wow. and you know, one is an engineer and the other is an entrepreneur, like literally not doing anything with it, but they have these drawings that are like insane. Yeah. And a lot of their artistic interests like influenced me, but we're never really allowed to. I heard this woman say that as a migrant African, you have one of four career choices as far as your parents are concerned. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, or a disappointment. And like, <laughs> your options, you know? I, I like that third one. Yes, yes. So I, um, to appease them, because I actually cared what they thought back then, I enrolled into the Carlson School of Business at the University of Minnesota. That's literally the only reason I, I went into the business school. And I did uh, business marketing there. Yeah. And then did um, internships in, um, you know, Black Excellence, you know, president of the BSU, you know, these things, vice president of my fraternity. I served <laughs> on student government. I had like three jobs waiting for me when I got out of college. I was not, I didn't have a worry, you know, I had General Mills, Target and um, Carlson companies, like all like, yep. yeah, yeah. over. I was like, okay, who's going to pay me the most? That's what I'm going with. Yeah. And uh, I just proceeded to live this life that was a lie you know and it was it was good it was fun it was enjoyable they moved me to la you know i was living by the beach i was making money i had my little beamer i thought i was like the <laughs> shit, you know? and uh you know you the, 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 but at the same time i was doing modeling and dabbling in some classes and the passing it, it's funny like the, to answer your question how i got into acting both times took a cute tragedy Mm. A friend of the family uh, had an older boy that passed, and he was in our church. I wouldn't say we're like best friends. Yeah. You know, we never had sleepovers, but we used to play soccer at the church picnics and what have you. And I heard that he passed unexpectedly of like some freak heart valve thing. And that was like a year and a half, almost two years into my first corporate job. And I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. So I quit, cashed on my 401k, and I went to art school at the Academy of Art University to do a master's in fine arts. I don't know why I thought it, you know, Nigerians, we love degrees, you know, master's yeah, or fine arts. I hadn't even done undergraduate in, in fine arts, but I wanted the master's, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and I did it in, uh, <laughs> you know, who we are, who we are. I did it in menswear and I also took theater classes and I just didn't tell anyone I was taking theater classes. Yeah. I was like, one of these is going to pop off, you know, or there's going to be design theater. And it was, it was literally me trying to get back to that first love of just artistic creation. Mm. That program failed miserably. I mean, I did well, but these art schools are an abomination. You know, they charge so much money in the quality of education. I was a smart guy. I was like, listen, why am I taking all these random electives? I, yep. I need to be applying this to actual design. My whole thesis yeah. was to prove that you could manufacture in West Africa and create socioeconomic development. Wow. So I did a collection out of Nigeria wow. and I told them all this coming in and it was, it was just stressed as a headache. So mind you, I was crucified when I quit my job and went to art school of and then course, I didn't come to you art school, right? So I failed twice. So I, I had to <laughs> so you had the come option out. Now. I dropped out. Yeah. And I had to come out broke like tail tucked between my legs to my older brothers like i beg can you you know lend me some money because uh, everything was finished you know everything was finished uh, everything was finished so i just like freeloaded off my brothers for a while 
I had a friend who worked for Accenture. I went and stayed with him in Mexico. I was just wandering around aimlessly. I got back to LA. Luckily, uh, my brother floated me on a loan and I jumped back in the corporate. I was working in human resources with Fox Sports and was doing that, was doing that, was doing that. I'm telling you, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did that. Uh, From birth and inclusion in General Mills, same as you. Oh. Uh, uh, Mills, yeah. Anyways, long-winded response to your question about acting, but I think it's important to share because I feel like it's part of, um, you know, like my testimony, you know, in a way, I feel like if there's anything that's coming out of me being blessed with this, it's the apropos of someone like Kobe Bryant passing or yep. you know, life would be short. Yep. Just gotta do the damn thing, like go to your calling. I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful that I found it. But anyways, I was in that role for years, I was miserable, I was making good money, but I was just like sad. And speaking of depression that you referenced earlier, mm-hmm. drinking a lot, just unhealthy. But on surface, everything is popping. Oh, he's making six figures, he's traveling, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was in 2012 that my best friend, like literally my best friend in LA, committed suicide. Oh, uh, whoa. From, from Ghana. Whoa. And you know, um, the signs were there. But again, as a result of often how we interact as men, right? You don't go there. It's like, what's up? How you doing? And you keep it this service. Boys level don't cry. Yeah, that's crazy. Boys don't cry. And um, after he passed, uh, I went on a horrible, horrible spiral, like in life. I did some things that it is by the grace of God that I'm alive right now. And somehow realized that, okay, I want to tell stories. Clearly life is short. I jumped into every acting class I could, you know, yeah. so I, I was weekend warrior. I'd go to work early so I could leave early so I could go to class and train, you know, and study. And that actually became like a form of therapy for me and acting. You know, you gotta, you gotta be brutally honest with yourself. You can't service a life that's in a script unless you can service your life. And and so what I started enjoying about acting was just all these things that I hadn't faced. I, I felt like I was discovering myself anew, you know, in a way. Because, you know, like you said, boys don't cry. But if my character's crying, that became a safe space where I could, like, place my emotions. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, oh, no, it's not Sam. Sam ain't crying. That's, that's the character. You know, <laughs> that's, not, that's not me. You know man. I mean? But through that process, I just realized, wow, you know, forget being famous or anything. Like, this is just making me a better person. Yeah. Uh, and learning more about myself. And that became the thing that I wanted to pursue. And then, you know, I did some short films and did, like, a movie in India. Just, you know, trying to get every opportunity I could to be on a set and tell stories that I was passionate about. And I didn't have any representations. I was self-submitting, you know, online to all these websites. I was trying to get an agent manager. And then ABC has this digital talent competition that they do every year. Yeah. Uh, I think the third year of it or fourth year, I don't know. And it's like a round of dramatic and comedic scenes. So they'll, they'll send you... Say, hey, app, you, we want you to perform a dramatic or comedic scene for us. Here's four to choose from. You put yourself on tape for it, and then they review, and then a week or two will go by. Hey, you made it to the next round. And I was just doing it as another way to exercise. And it was like, there's no way. Yeah. Like, this thing is for tens of thousands of applicants. And um, I remember they called me on a Friday and, like, hey, can you do, you're one of our finalists. Can you do a, a Skype interview on Monday? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. That Monday, you know, I opened up my laptop and it was a woman named Kelly Lee. And if you're an acting, you know who Kelly Lee is. She's like the head of all casting for ABC. Every show goes through her. Wow. She's like, hey, wow. what would you say if we told you you are a winner? I literally was like, shut the fuck up. 
And uh, like it was out of my mouth before I could even stop, you know, and it was like a live recording. She's like, it's okay, we'll bleep that out. It's completely fine, you know. Was like, so, so it was not an addition. And uh, that was crazy. I mean, you know, you had like Cleela Dubow came through that, Cornelius from Scandal, Lupita Nyong'o was contested out in New York for it. Wow. And, and so uh, that launched my career. I had no representations then, but this big article went out. This is ABC's 2015 winner of the talent competition. Yes. And agents and managers started reaching out and they're like, do you have representation? And I was like, no. And got to meet with a couple of different companies and picked one of them. And then they started sending me on on auditions for like scripted television series, you know, on, on Fox and ABC. And that was August of 2015. And I've been acting in one capacity or another ever since, so grateful. So at the beginning of this, you said you introduced yourself as a storyteller and mm -hmm. the way you just wove all the different experiences in your life is just proof that you are indeed a storyteller, but Sam, you have unpacked, there's so much you just gave that I I'm gonna have to unpack bit by bit. And I'm just <clears> gonna start from the very end so you're getting these calls now you've been going unrepresented for a long time you're getting all these calls when did you start feeling like i have arrived like was it I then or were you trying to still figure out like what's going on no I, I never really felt that way i still don't feel that way yeah um i think i was it was just drinking from the fire hose you know i was so much i didn't know i still was unsure you know because so much of our upbringing is particularly as Africans, migrants, it's very fear-based, you know what I yes. mean? You go the straight, narrow route, you know, you get the house with the picket fence and you do the 401k and you get the engineering degree and you just pay bills. You and earn you a get living, married you know, and you get the kids you know, and you right? raise the kids. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So I, I still was like, nah, this isn't really real, you know, which is why I didn't quit my job immediately. No, I don't think there was a point of ever I've arrived. I was just like, okay, I've been given, you know, a golden ticket and I'm going to leave no stone unturned. You know, I just wanted to like, it just, I doubled up like the work, you know? Yeah. But in that moment, right? So you kind of go from, you know, you're hustling, you're trying to, f to just find a path and then the path yeah. comes to you, but it's not one, it's multiple, right? Agents are reaching out, opportunities start to show up. How did you, in the moment, during that time period, reconcile all those things, make sense of it? Because for some people, it could actually kind of derail them instead, right? It's easy to get overwhelmed when you go from not having a lot of opportunities to having too many opportunities. How did you navigate that new world of really kind of stepping into Hollywood, for lack of a better term? You know, one of the things that I will say is, um, you know, we you're obviously you know brilliant woman and, and i think we were kind of hard academic workers yeah while school and you know acting is is it's it's an art form but it's also a business you know what i mean yep. and i think there's an element of professionalism that you have to take into it and um i can't take the credit of why oh, i just navigated this world i think there's a lot of the same things that you know actually i learned from my corporate experience of there's what you know there's what you don't know that you what you know that you don't know and it's within and then there's the unknown unknowns and it's how do you ask the right questions so yeah. i was asking questions never trying to show up like i had it all figured out because mm -hmm. you know people mm -hmm. will smell that a mile away and you end up looking really stupid and blowing opportunities so i i think i just try to ask questions you know yeah. like what the hell is this how do i navigate it like what's going on from friends who were you know, more accomplished actors from people who were in the industry that I, I'd met. Um, that's really it, you know, and through some very helpful guidance of, of some people, I was able to 
you know, you never know, you know, and Hollywood doesn't know. No one knows what the hell they're doing, but you know, it, it's this, <laughs> I'm telling you, um, but there's less, that's the word I'm looking for. You can get from point A to point B, I think, with less growing pains by just, you know, being curious and not being too arrogant of, because you don't know. So just being willing to say, I don't know someone, please tell me. And you know, it's not just, I always tell people when I give talks in particular, I always talk about the fact that one of my favorite phrases is, I don't know. And it's not right. a show of humility. It's because the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't know. Like, I for real don't know. There's a lot that I just do not know. And the more I know, the less I know, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, so, absolutely. and I'm teaching my son now to get really comfortable with saying, I don't know. Because I think when I first started working, it was important for me to like show up, right? And mm -hmm. for people to understand like, okay, no, we, we hired her for a reason. She's here. And, you know, I, I wanted to prove myself. So I'll take a minute before saying, I don't know. Like It was a hard thing for me to learn because like we grew up you needed to show up you needed to prove that you belonged in the room especially when you're the only anything the only woman the only black person the only whatever you don't want to come across looking you know dumb for lack of a better word and so the right. power of I, I don't know i found it to be very freeing i can sit in the yes. meeting and be looking at you like i don't know i'll right. find out and get back to you or find someone who knows but me yeah. i don't know yeah 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 and i think that's the key is i'll find out and i'll get back to you yep it's completely okay to not know. It's what do you do with it's that what you do with it. And I do want to get to Dynasty because, which, by the way, growing up in Cameroon, when we watched the original series, oh, yeah. it was <clears throat> it was shown to us in French. So we grew up calling it Dynasty. See I know, how, yeah, I hear that a lot. See how, yep, see how yep. that sounds? Dynasty. Okay. Dynasty. But we'll come back to that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a phrase that you used, toxic masculinity. Yeah. Talk to me some more about that, because that part I'm finding, you know, when it comes to whether it's mental health issues, whether it's just communication, right? Whether I have male friends that I talk to and I feel like I, I can't get in, I can't get through because even with my brothers, there's a way that a lot of African men, and I don't know if this is true of men from other parts of the world, but the way that you all were raised to communicate and to take mm -hmm. emotion out of communication and to ask for help when you actually need it, it's really shaped things in a way where it's hard to see the person behind the man. So when you say toxic masculinity, that's what comes to my mind. But what is it that you're talking about when you say toxic masculinity? I mean, I, I grew up with, I'm the youngest of six boys, six very opinionated, strong-minded, Nigeria boys. <laughs> and, and a father who was a, an acute disciplinarian, you know? And so I think yeah. I didn't realize the things that I carried as a result of that, you know? And, and this isn't, it's it's not like right or wrong. It's just, you know, people don't don't know any better. And it's I didn't even know to identify yeah. as toxic masculinity until I started doing, you know, like my personal work, which really came through acting. Um, you know, I think it's, when I, one thing I've realized is that, you know, emotions are fluid and unstoppable, right? So it's going to manifest one way or another, yes. right? It's going to manifest either in you trying to take a healthier approach to look at it and figure out, okay, why am I this way? Or it's going to manifest in, you know, a wife, gang banging, uh, the, the horrible uh, temper, you know, all these things. And I think a lot of men think of that as like a sign of strength, Yep. you know, but it's, it's, um, it's not, you know, and it's a tough balance, you know, because 
you grew up in these environments and you don't want to be perceived as weak. And let's, let's be very honest about it. You know, in, in Africa, people stick that in my way. And so it's, it's by virtue of kind of that cultural canon. That's just like, that's how it operates there. And, and I wouldn't say that's necessarily different than America. I don't know that that's different than the male experience, you know, kind of globally. Yep. I think what we need to do is create more spaces where that's encouraged. You know, I was, uh, there's a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown that I, I read. Mm, yeah, and she, she's she, fantastic. Great book, right? And she gave this illustration of this man who um, I came up to her after one of her talks and said, you know, I appreciate everything you've said. And, you know, you've really broken down some barriers for me. But he's like, what I found is that you know women say that they they want a man to be open and to be honest and to be emotional but deep inside that's not really the case that's not really allowed for because they don't want to you're the hunter you're the gatherer you um can't be perceived as weak so it's like you open up that door and sometimes there's no going back from it and it was interesting to hear that and so i i think the um I feel I hear a lot of women say, oh, that's just your toxic masculinity today. I mean, not to me, of course, but I hear <laughs> that thing not. thrown out a lot. And I was completely joking. <laughs> Listen, I'm not over it. I, it's still there. It's, uh, it's, it's a daily exercise. But w- one thing is, um, I think it requires both, both sides, you know, to come to the table and, and define what the dynamic looks like. And I don't know how we got on this tangent, but what's up, boy? He's just going to say, how you doing? Before he goes to okay. school. Yeah. It's a handsome fellow. What's your name? Balin. Balin. I'm Sam. Nice to meet you, Balin. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. From where? From the show Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, we met? Um, no. When I was, uh, you, I was doing my research, he was doing research with me. So I told oh, him I was going to be talking talking with you. Have a good day at school, okay? Thank you. All right, love you. Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you too. Are you gonna go? Are you gonna? <laughs> <laughs> you want to sit in on the interview? It's funny. I sometimes ask him to join if he wants to, because I think it's important for children to see their parents working. Yeah. Come, come, Sam. Do you mind if he takes a picture with you? Not at all. All right. How, how does this work on? No, no, you're cool. I'll just take it. I'll, I'll just stay here. Yeah. All right. I'll just take it like this. Sit right there, because I know he's gonna go tell his friends. I was talking to so and so. You can say something. to meet you nice to meet you too this guy yeah he's just he's like nice to meet you he's all right he's 10 can't believe i have a 10 year old my goodness time flies no but we're not on a tangent i had asked you about toxic masculinity and the thing you say you're absolutely right i think in my experience it's taken even me just having to break down the process and actually study it to engage with men who are in touch with their emotions and i don't think it's because women don't want those kind of men i think it's because we don't a lot of us don't know how to deal with that because it's how our fathers were it's not how our brothers were raised so that version of masculinity of maleness is foreign to us so it's like wait wait what what is this and what am i supposed to do with this thing because it's foreign to me right so sure intellectually we say it's great but we actually don't have practical experience with living with that version of masculinity so when yeah. it's right in front of us it's like no i'm gonna need you to be a man 
Right. Well, that, and listen, I'm certainly not suggesting that that's the universal view and that women mm. don't want that. I just remember reading that part in the book. Yeah. And realizing, to me, the, the it's to your point of there's unknown unknowns on both sides, yeah. and both sides yeah. are trying to navigate and figure that out and get what they want out of it. So my point, anyways, was that I think it takes both sides coming to the table. Yeah. No, it absolutely does. Now, your parents. Mm-hmm. How, how so? How did they? I mean, obviously they're probably good with it now. But when you finally said, "No, this is what I'm going to do," and you started to gain traction with acting, what was their reaction? I still don't know if my parents know what the hell I do. I, I don't. <laughs> I still don't. You know, because we shoot nine months out of the year. Yeah. And then I'll come home for three months, and my mom's like, well, are, "Are you not? Are you not? You no get a job? What, what are you doing?" I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm on break." It's, kind of like i'm in school right so nine months of yes, school and then yes. some like so are you working i'm like well at the moment <laughs> no but it doesn't compute yeah, um yeah. it just doesn't compute. and my mom has this thing where like she can't she can't separate like reality from what's going on on tv so oh. you know i don't want to others, but you know there was an episode where i was injured you know it made the foolish choice of watching it you know with her and she's like hey, my son and jesus no 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 they won't take you and just i was like mom <laughs> I'm right here. We, we shot that like six months ago. <laughs> I'm right, like literally, I'm on the couch. You can touch me. Um, so, um, they, um, you know, my it was tough. I'm not gonna lie. My, you know, my mom was like, "Go back and finish your masters," and and she was always on that. But I, I think she knows. You know, they've kind of finally kind of come to terms with it. You know, and she's taking more of an interest, and she knows I'm writing, and she's always checking on my how's your writing going. You know, and, yeah. Uh, especially since the stories I want to tell are kind of like indigenous, you know, West African Nigerian stories. And, and she knows that world, you know, that was my first one who told me stories. Yes. You know, it was my mom. Yes. So, um, so they have now come to grips with it, you know, and as long as they get their, you know, monthly contribution, all is well. So Monthly upkeep. All is well. As From long this... as the monthly contributes. Yes. contribute. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Now, again, one more thing before we get into the show, mental health. You talked about the spiral after your your best friend died. What was that like? This is such a good thing for me because in the previous episode, or at least a few episodes ago, we talked to designer Safia Tusek and she was talking about depression. And a lot of what she talked about, Sam, was the fact that as a community, it's not just Africans, we're not equipped or willing to talk about mental health. And so it's very hard for us to spot the signs because we're not looking for it. And even when it's there, we think, oh, you don't want to get out of bed for a few days. You're lazy. I even heard things growing up like it's the white man's disease, right? What does this have to do with you as a strong African person? So we're talking about that. So for you, when you were kind of going through that spiral, like how did it feel? How would have someone known that you were not okay? That's a a very good question. I, I think maybe that's the um, that's the scary part about it is I don't think anyone would have known. Like you might have mm-hmm. caught glimpses of it, you know, when you're heavily drinking, you know, or smoking or abusing substances. Um, and sometimes, you know, the honest truth of it is is that's just one aspect of it. Yeah. You know, so like especially especially in my family where things reach a boiling point before they're addressed and then it's like just head to head battle and you mask a lot yeah i masked a lot and i think 
to your question, I don't think anyone would have known unless I opened up. You know, I don't know if I hadn't honestly discovered acting in a way, not to say save my life, but it sounds a bit dramatic, but in a way, you know, I don't think I would have had the tools to even know kind of what I was, you know, suffering from, you know, but it was, it was horrible. It was a lot of, I was punishing myself because I felt responsible for KJ's death. Like like I didn't pay enough attention, you know, Mm. Um, I realized that was foolishness now in hindsight after, you know, come to grips with that, like heal from it, but that's what it was. And, you know, I think, you know, now I'm such a, a proponent of mental health, you know, October's mental health awareness month. And I'm always trying to, you know, get behind something around that, whether it's just spreading the word that there's resources available, because you're absolutely right. In our communities, African, Black American, it's by virtue of our own coping mechanisms, right? I I think we, depression doesn't happen to us because even you go one step further from a spiritual standpoint, the way I was raised, depression is ungodly. So So now you're like, you're meant to feel as though you're sinning by having this emotion that you can't control it's all it's it's, it's like yeah. something you address and you some people have it acutely and it's, it's a genetic composition and, yeah. and it's there's so much behind it but you know if it's not prayer or, or talk to your mom or go to church we don't really i don't think we've we've come to realize the science and the benefit behind things like therapy myself included i turned my nose up at therapy for years yeah. for years i like, wow, you're going to pay like a perfect stranger to tell you about yourself. Exactly. Like, bro, just give me your I'll tell you all about yourself. <laughs> no, and, uh, and the arrogance it was- in it, right? Because we've all been there, the arrogance in it. Because I say to people, when you're sick, you don't try to concoct your own medicine in the back of your house. You go to a yeah. hospital. Why yeah. is it that with something like this? And it's probably because we don't recognize it as an illness, like someone is sick. Like, it's you're sick and you need proper care. And yeah. I think <clears throat> that part, the part of, and I've heard so many people talk about it, to be honest, more men than women, just saying, I got this. Why do I have to tell somebody else who's a stranger about me? And then they're going to tell me about me. What do they know about me? Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. That's not the point. It's and it's yeah. very hard to break through that. So hard to break yeah. through that. So I hear you. I mean, and I think, yeah, for me, I I just got to an impasse, you know, and and I discovered therapy summer of 2018. That's when I started going to. Mm-hmm. It's like dating, you know. I went on three horrible dates. There, listen, there's some shit therapists out there. Can't lie. I just got to keep on this. You have to have a resilience to go about it in a way where you continue to find someone who challenges you and, and helps you unearth things and isn't just punching a number and, you know, yeah. in a check. And I had those three experiences and I was like, oh, wow, this is exactly why I never went into it because yeah. these people are very eye contact. And it wasn't really encouraging, but I was like, you know what, I know there's something here and I finally met, you know, a really amazing person. And and, and I, I just think we, we don't, first of all, the resources aren't there and the communication is there, isn't there and the support isn't there in our communities. Yeah. You know, we already our own coping mechanisms, plus the stigma surrounding therapy, plus the fact that a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of free resources out there and that there is benefit to having an objective third person who has no preconceived notions about, about you, you. help unearth some things. So now I, I tell all the homies, I tell all my brothers, listen, y'all got some issues. <laughs> y'all got some problems, okay? 
you need to see a therapist. I will pay for it. You know, I haven't quite gotten them there yet. Especially my oldest brother, God bless him. I hope that they can, you know, find value in that just because I've, I've found it extremely valuable. Because I, I think I'm just going to go into my theory here with you. Yep. Can I, can I go? I, I, got, I got the time for it. We were raised as very conservative Christian. My family's Christian, you know, faith, Bible believing. And I have this theory that I recently, I, don't, I can't, I'm just looking, there's nothing new under the sun. So I'm sure it's not like new idea I came up with. But you know, there's mind, there's body, and there's spirit, yeah. right? And I think, particularly us that grew up with faith, everything becomes spirit. Yes. Everything becomes spiritual. You know, pray, you feel this, pray, you have this, pray, you get this, pray, pray, pray. Okay, that's the spirit. But then there's also the mind and the body. Mm-hmm. And you exercise the body through sweating and working out. Yep. You, as the spirit through prayer and a connection with God. And I think you exercise yep. the mind through meditation and connect with yourself. And so often we've been raised with meditation was he's not meditation is demonic is evil. And I'm like, no, we wouldn't want to get biblical. Jesus meditated Yep. yep. versus this day. You know, he, they thought he was sleeping and he wasn't saying a word. It didn't say he was praying when it was praying. It specifically said he was, he was praying. praying. Yeah. Meditating. Yes. You want to get, you know? Yeah. And so now I, I believe that, you know, and it's, it's hard work, you know, Lord knows I'm still flawed, but try and exercise each of those three things. And the crazy thing is we can only, the one that we focus on is the one we can't control. We can't control the spirit. Yeah. We can control our minds. We can exercise our minds to think positively and we can exercise our bodies to be healthy. But it's like, it's all, am I making sense? It's just backwards. Yeah. And, and absolutely. My absolutely. mom is always like, pray, pray, pray. I'm like, yes, mother, I'm praying, but we also have to, we have to brittle our minds and we have to exercise our bodies. And we have to engage those two to get to where we think the spirit is going to take us, right? Is the whole thing about growing up, somebody wants a job, I'm going to pray to God. That's great. But can you yeah. apply? Can you actually put in your application and go to the interview? Who the hell prays more than us? Who prays more than like, sorry, I get excited about these things. Well, we pray, 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 pray. Who prays more than Africans? Yep. Who prays more than Nigerians? It's like, it's, I, I hope no one listening takes this as like religion bashing or any way. I'm certainly a person of faith. That's not what I'm saying. But to your point, yep. faith without work dead. How are you applying it? You can't just chalk it up to the spirit realm and not take action. In fact, I think that's the definition of faith. I think a lot of times people sit back on their haunches and they say, Lord, show me a sign. Whereas I think God is waiting on you to make a, make a choice, yep. make a step in faith and believe that you'll be supported yep. in the direction you go. Yep. I think you gotta, yeah. anyways, flip it around. No, no. I mean, this is really great for me because sometimes in talking to people, I feel like I'm maybe the one who's crazy because one of the amazing things that will happen is it didn't start just because I, I live in Asia now, but um, meditation, I began meditating when my marriage started to look kind of funny. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, you do the whole go to church, you pray. And, and I, I was raised Catholic, went to boarding school. You know, the whole routine of wake up at, <clears throat> wake up every day and go to church seven days a week from the time I was 10 till I was 16, right? That's how we lived. So faith is a huge part of my life. But then you get to a point where I felt in that moment like I was speaking, but I wasn't getting through. Like it was just m- me talking. But that's because Sam, I was always talking. Sitting down, we talk about meditation. For me, sitting down and giving yourself the opportunity to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And to be present in your mind, in your body, in your spirit. When I talk about, I started talking about meditation, you know, my friends were interested, but they didn't quite get what that was about. People say, well, they just can't sit still, mm-hmm. which, I, which I get. But yeah. I think 
living in Asia has really amplified that because here they got everything, right? You've got yeah. the hardcore Christians, but you've got thousands of years of, you know, Confucianism, Buddhism, mm -hmm. Hinduism, mm -hmm. all these different things. And so, you you know, and I love to study religion. And so I've, I've just learned a lot of things. And that whole mind-body-spirit balance, it shows up nowhere more than in the hospital, right? You go to see the doctor. My experience has been in the U.S. So what brings you in today? My head hurts, my arm hurts, my light, my whatever hurts. You get, they prescribe you something, you go home. Here, yeah. I get asked, okay, so all these things hurt. How's your home life? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? How are things with, you know, your child? Is there any stress at home? And what they're looking for is this bigger holistic picture because disease is never about just one thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So so that, that was not tangential. I'm, I get I get really no, absolutely. passionate about I'm this stuff. I'm with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> we have a long ways to go in our communities, you know, when we it comes do. to that topic. We do. So yeah. all of this, you know, the childhood, uh, the being a PK's kid, a PK and just having, and I love how you talk about home without any pretenses, right? It's like, this is how it is. I grew up in a yeah. house, big family. <laughs> this is how we operate. This is how we talk. You got those four things, doctor, lawyer, engineer, or what was his failure? Disappointment, yeah. Disappointment. Failure, yeah. Oh, disappointment is not failure. My goodness. So right now you're a disappointment. You're in the disappointment category. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> you contributions are happening oh so, okay so, yeah. so, so that so, is... I think if it doesn't work out then yeah so it has to you know it has to work so that's so that you know, I, I was in that category during the grind phase that was for sure. yeah now i'm definitely yeah. in the in the uh, in one of the approved categories the question is what does that mean for me on a personal level right and how am i doing the thing that i want to do versus the thing that i was raised to think i want to do but that's, that's a topic for another day. So you've, you've come along this whole journey, and then Jeff Colby is black. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I start there is because when I heard about the show, I was remembering the characters from when I was a child, and then I heard you were in it, and I was like, well, there's so much publicity around him being in it. What role is he going to play? I don't remember any black people in Dynasty. <laughs> Except, so I'm like, okay, so what has that been like? Just start from anywhere you want to start with regard to dynasty it's been amazing you know i think the cw and cbs really wanted to kind of reimagine this iconic classic juggernaut of a show in a way that kind of included a broader audience you mm -hmm. know that had more diversity which i think was really a move on their part um so you know i, I did my homework i i didn't know much about dynasty peripherally you know i, I knew that it was this big big thing but I'm grateful to them for kind of being open to that, like that, you know, diversity element of it and, and showing a world that more people can see someone who looks like them on. I'm super grateful for that. It's been amazing to, I, you don't, you don't see a lot of black billionaires on, on television. Yeah. You know, I think that certainly drew me to the role is, you know, how can we show, you know, a more empowered visual element of, of black men, yep. you know, even yep. though, you know, Jeff is, he's a bit of a troublemaker. A bit. Um, Okay. <laughs> you know, never judge a character, they say, right? It's something that, you know, you can show to be a, a different aspect of, of a black man on television that isn't, you know, the thug or the slave or thugged out slave. I don't know. It just seems like that, that those were like the roles that we historically yep. had and that is really changing. And then the thing that's even like more amazing for me is the show shoots in Atlanta. Yep. And uh, 
there's a lot of Nigerians in Atlanta and a lot of them work in tech. And so I was like, okay, well, wouldn't be far-fetched for Jeff to be Nigerian, right? So yeah. I, I, I put together kind of like this little spiel for the producers of the show. And I, you know, I said, look, Nollywood is now a $7 billion industry. Netflix has a distribution deal. Nigerians definitely watch TV, not just Nigerians, but Africans. Yep. Um, we are killing it in the music game, saturating every aspect of culture. Could we make this character Nigerian? And or what would that look like? And I said, well, it would inform. They hadn't cast my father at the time. Yeah. I said it would inform who we cast as my father. And I was like, it'd be cool to be able to speak my language on the show, to you know, bring an element of food and design. And our showrunner at the time, Sally Patrick, just was she's amazing. She just let me run with it. She was like, yeah, let's try that out. And so when you first meet my father, Hakim Kazim, who's been like an idol of mine, I was, yeah. I was, I damn near like did a backflip when they said they cast him because people don't know before, you know, David Oyelowo and Chiwetel Ejiofor and all these people like Hakim is like original, you know, this guy was breaking down barriers as, yeah. you know, this Christian yeah. Nigerian actor and uh, just such a lovely man to work with. And um, we got to speak your about in that scene and, you know, Nigerians went crazy, like literally like when the episode hit, ah, my brother, my brother, That's my brother. And it's not it just Nigerians, right? They were, it, was, it, was, it was something I was just really proud of. I was, I was yeah, happy. Yeah. And then it just it kept going, you know. I, I had my menswear background in design, so I got to design some stuff. I got to start uh, picking African designers, and, you know, we're spending all this money on Gucci and Fendi, and I said, hey, can we allocate a certain amount of my budget for African designers because I'm African, that's cool. Plus, you get to tout that as part of your social corporate responsibility, you know, you're working with diverse suppliers. So this is where all the corporate kind of like plays in, yes. you know how to put their I need pitch. to put you in contact with Safi, honestly, because huh? with Safi Sec, the designer I was talk t telling you about, because oh, yeah. the way you all think about these things is like, we need advocates like you working together because it's exactly what you said about how do we bring, it's about bringing Africa into the game and continuing to do it. And there are people who are doing it now, but we need to expand that, right? And have more mm -hmm. of those voices. But everything you just, that, by the way, that's power. The fact that you can get a studio to agree to rewrite a show that people know, love, and to bring, some people still think Africa is a, is a country. Mm -hmm. So to mm -hmm. be able to do what you did, you know, I just want to acknowledge that. And I hope all the fanfare you got around that from Nigerians and other Africans and other people, quite frankly, I hope you can appreciate and just sit in that because a lot of times Definitely. we won't put our necks on the line, right, to go against the, the boss. But to be able to say, I have this idea. I know, you know, you might not warm up to it first, but how about we just take this uh, who's known and beloved and make him Nigerian and make him speak Yoruba. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's a plot for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just, you know, want to do more of it. So so on the show, Jeff mm -hmm. is a billionaire, well-dressed, mm -hmm. has a very dark side going on over there. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you've really just loved and learned from being Jeff Colby? You know, he's a very polarizing character you know which is is fun jeff kind of leads with this um he's very passionate and he fights very very hard for those people that he loves for his family and i think he does that sometimes being blindsided by his own anger and makes short-sighted decisions and i think that's something that we can all identify with as, as humans when we have someone we love and want to protect we might do some things that aren't in our best interest or their best interest you know i, I enjoy you know as someone who like really 
loves and, and, and appreciates the support of family to show that um, and wanted to show more of that. You know, the Kobe family was constantly at odds and constantly button heads. And so, you know, the moments where we could, you know, savor and show them as more of a loving unit of a family and yeah. trying to be a united front yeah. uh, and not just chasing after the Carringtons for vengeance. Those are the moments that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you always want to, I always want to show positive portrayals of black families on television and African families on television. You know, I feel like we've seen enough of the, the broken and, you know, and of course it's drama. So an element of that is why we watch, right? We're all broken. We all have our family issues, you know, but I think I enjoy those moments of balance of yeah. when we can have the family as, as a unit. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the moments where we get to speak Yoruba on the show. Yeah. <clears throat> like that's, like, does it feel like a homecoming every time it happens? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's times where it was happening. It's still like, are they really letting me get away with this shit right now? <laughs> you know, like you have, <laughs> you know? And then they subtitle it. And, um, you know, I just, I did it just because, you know, my space as a storyteller is, you know, we just have such a, you talked about your friend in Uganda who's a filmmaker, a movie called God Loves Uganda that I saw years ago. It's like a documentary, mm -hmm. a brilliant, brilliant documentary you should watch. And, you know, we have filmmakers like Andrew Dosamu who did Mother of George and Restless City. And, and we have my space as a storyteller is every chance I get, I'm going to infuse my people, not just Nigeria, but Africa in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. That, I would say, is the proudest achievement of my career is, you know, not just the show, but also being able to highlight my culture in, in that way has been incredible, you know, in a character who has a lot of money and wears really nice clothes. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's you know, just... That, it's, yeah, fun. That's dope. I just think that's, that's <laughs> dope. It doesn't happen often, and when it happens, we need to just call it out and celebrate it for what it is, which is dope. Just on that, watching, you grew up quite conservative, and every time I watch um, shows where you've got people either kissing or whatever else, I'm always like, is their mama watching this? So, oh, yeah. so <laughs> how has yeah. that been for you? Oh my God, yeah, my, um, both my mom and my dad, you know, especially as, you see my son, you see my son on TV. You see your chest just out like this. This is what a child of God does. You know, and, and I mean, but it's funny, like, I used to hate, I, my mom kept asking me what channel Dynasty was on, and I just didn't tell her for a while. You know, really? she's shrewd, she figured it out. She's like, I see why you didn't want to tell me. And um, at first she was just like, on me constantly you know she just go off about how you know this is ungodly she wasn't upset you know what i mean but yeah she'd, she'd be like hey you shouldn't be naked like this <laughs> so when is the next episode and i'm like okay all right. i have a fan like you watching yeah so she watches it my dad watches it as well i mean listen it's this is part of my you know i always take things to a whole different direction but it's part of my my frustration with our culture you know like look People have sex, okay? People have sex. Mm -hmm. People get naked. It's how we're born into this world. And, you know, I, I think when we strip away some of that sanctimonious religious aspect of it, I wanted to see affection yeah. between my parents. I wanted to see that, you know? If I walked in in the bedroom, I wouldn't have mind seeing y'all, you know? <laughs> um, like, I got here, you know? But it's like, because I think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That impacts how you express yourself. Yes. You know, you express yeah. love and you know what we're talking about about those walls yeah. you know it's, it's relative so i only said that to say that 
yes, it was challenging at first, but I think they've certainly like come to terms with it. And, and now we have fun and we joke about it. So That's awesome. That's awesome. One thing I want to comment on, and I know we're going to be running out of time here. So, and you've been so great to just stay on Sunday night for you. I know you got work and stuff going on, but when I think about you back in, in school, what I do remember is exactly what you described about how you were in high school, right? The jock thinking, you know, I'm all that. I'm cool. Oh, and, is that what you remember me as? Oh, no, I mean, I remember a lot of different things, but that, 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 was, that was definitely there. And then you, when you definitely joined the fraternity, I was like, okay, here we go. But you know, what is amazing about that is at 18, 19, 20, you can't really always decipher what's going on there. But when you talked about the fact that there were these two sides going on, like you have to be the masculine, like very masculine and show up like playing sports, in charge, all of that. But then there's, there's this soft side that people don't get to see. So I definitely didn't get to see the, I saw the laughter, I saw the joke, I saw the, I mean, you know, Carlson. Everybody who went to Carlson was like, I'm, I'm Carlson. Yeah. Like, Carlson thought they, that they were the shit. It was the worst. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting to talk about these things with you and see that other side because it's amazing what we don't know about people, right? And and, and what and what we carry with us and what we project and we, sometimes we don't even know we're projecting that. Um, so thank mm -hmm. thanks for sharing that. Now I just have a few questions. Okay. This is the, the we're now going into the last the less deep part of the interview, and um, sure. just some and Sam, you gotta follow the rules. The rule is you got to pick something. It's going to be two options. Two okay. options. You, you, is this like rapid fire? Yes. Thing to yes. yes. Okay. Right. But don't worry. I, I won't do anything terribly crazy here. Right. I, I, I know you're a God-fearing man and, and all that. So Lamborghini or Tesla? Tesla. Puff Puff or Dodo? Dodo. John Wick or Jason Bourne? Jason Bourne. Lupita Nyong'o or Zoe Kravitz? Ooh, uh, uh, Lupita. Okay. <laughs> that, <laughs> there was some pain in that one coming out. Think about that one, yeah. Um, okay. Davido or Whiskey? Wow. <laughs> That's... That's how I come for you. <laughs> wow. This is taking too long. I really, really dig both of them. I, I'd have to... I think I'd have to say Wizkid. Okay. I, I love both of them, but I, Wizkid brought me yeah. into Afro pop. So that's yeah. Idris or Chiwetel? Idris. Okay. Beyonce or Riri? Riri, for sure. I, I can see that with you. I can, I can, I, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Genevieve or Omotola? Oh, Omotola. <laughs> okay. Minneapolis or Atlanta? Hmm. Okay. DSU or ASA? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I went uh -oh. there. <laughs> wow. So, for people listening, let me just spell it out Black Student Union or African Student Association. We were both members of both associations in school, so hence Sam's reaction. So, go. <laughs> so, wow. I always. Black Student Union is all-encompassing. I envisioned it to be this umbrella organization. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The rule was you pick one or the other, not an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, how I think of, I'd have to say the Black Student Union. 
Okay. Bernie Sanders. Made me choose. See that? That's what I do. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Bernie Sanders or Bernie. Oh, it's not even a competition. It doesn't matter who's on the other side, huh? Say again. Who are you gonna say? Hillary. Oh, I thought you were gonna go Biden. No, um, no, I'm not tying it to these elections. I'm tying it to ideology. Oh, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I go Bernie. You Bernie? Okay, we're almost done. Don't worry. I think I'm, I'm stressing you out this time of no, the night. <laughs> this is great. Keep keep going. What's up? What else do you got? Chimamanda or Chino Achebe? Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm mean. I'm unkind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, she's cited him as as an influence. Uh, no, you're trying to. Uh -uh. This is me. I'm a Virgo. I intellectual. Everything is. You I would, give an answer, Virgo or not? I have to give nod to, to what came first. That's a tough choice. Yeah. That's a, what speaks to me more is Chimamanda because it's present day it's and present, she's yeah. an amazing killer. But she's not Chibi. Okay. Yeah. Tom Ford or Don Murphy? Tom Ford. Okay. Let's see what else I got here. This is this is fun. Jalap? Jalap Rice. Jalap Rice. It's not even a competition, huh? What are you gonna say? Steak. Cholo, are you what? <laughs> oh my god, no. They <laughs> make it hard like pounded yam or something. Yeah. No, I have to give you one that was right. sort of easy, right? Sort of yeah. easy. Cholo, all day. Uh funny. Um specifically Nigeria Jalof. Specifically Nigeria Jalof. Yeah, not all Jalofs are creative. Okay. I I hear that. Okay. Let's see here. And uh Serena Williams versus Lisa Leslie. Like what? Athletically or yes, who I would want yes. to like Athlet get with? Athletic. That's apples to oranges. Um, I, I know. Uh, Serena, I'd have to say. Serena. Okay. I thought you were like on some free stuff. Anyways, continue. We'll, we'll come to that. <laughs> Michelle Obama <laughs> or Oprah Winfrey? This is good. Uh, Michelle Obama. Mm. Now I'm tempted to ask why, but that's not part of nope. the rules of the show. <laughs> okay, let's see. I've been out of the U.S. for a while, so I had to sit down and really think about, you know, current stuff, because my stuff is not real current. I try to keep up, but uh, I had to dig in for this one. Let's see here. Maria Borges or Chrissy T Is it Tegan? How do you say her name? Tegan? Chris yeah, Chrissy uh, Tegan. You know what? I'm not even seeing who... Maria Borges. I don't even know who that is. Oh, okay. Who's Maria Borges? Let me see. Who's she with? Uh, Maria Borges, yeah. <clears throat> I, I figured you knew her. Like, if not the name, you knew her. I certainly do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. Maria Borges. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You mm -hmm. look like you just saw a Christmas present. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my That's God. Hi, she okay. She what? Listen to your podcast. Is that a, an acquaintance? No, no. I, I I met her through ALN. Oh, fantastic! Okay, introduction. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. I will make introduction. She's one of the Victoria's Secret models. She's got a fantastic history behind her. I mean, just as you talk, she's one of your people, like in that way. Okay. All right, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? Elon Musk. Ah, 
Hmm. Okay, I wasn't sure about that one. I wasn't sure how that was gonna go. All right. Vacation. Cape Town or Marrakesh? Well, seeing as I haven't been to night either one, I would have to say I for what I think I've heard, I would say Cape Town. When you plan your Cape Town trip, I will be a travel agent. I love that place. Love yeah. it. Just anyway. You know Who is? My father, Hakim Karkazin, he lives there. Oh, you should go visit him. You should find an excuse to go visit him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one. And I want to make it really. I have to go and chop food. Huh? So I have to go and chop food or I'm hungry. Yeah, you're looking hungry. Last one Android or iPhone? I'm an Apple whore. I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> disgusting yeah <laughs> no one can see the look that you gave me right it's like are you serious right now this yeah. is what you're asking so smarter people use androids right is that are you an android person <laughs> you are no right. no no i'm not I, that's oh, a, I okay i'm not All a right. big tech person but I, I i use what works and that's yeah that that's that but my god sam thank you this was above i know you're really busy I really appreciate your time. And um, next time, I'm hoping there'll be a next time, I hope you come back and talk to us about all the the social causes you've got going on. I know you have a real passion for, I think you have some domestic violence projects working in... in, in... Antiandrape.org, it's a, um, a, a movement in Nigeria that's fighting to combat the rampant and pervasive uh, rape culture that we know exists there. And some women who are fighting that in a major way. They're trying to lobby for legislation in universities because rape is very pervasive in universities and women don't really have a voice. There's a growing epidemic now of policemen, you know, basically going out through Nigeria on Friday and Saturday nights and rounding up girls who are like on a girls' night out trip and accusing them of prostitution, taking them back to the police precinct and gang raping them in exchange oh for their bail. There's a woman uh, named Ayo, who's kind of Ayo Digi. She's kind of leading the charge on this. And I just came across the cause uh, randomly on Instagram and saw them taken to the streets and marching, which, you know, they're marching in the face of police and the brutality that we know that exists in, you know, Nigerian policing systems. And it was just so courageous. I mean, I met her this past December and kind of became a brand ambassador. And, and so, yeah, stanzaandrape.org. They're doing some amazing things. So uh, any and all assistance is appreciated there wow and i'll put that up when i put up the podcast let me say this really quickly this is such a it's shaking people to their core right and how do i know this i joined the facebook group just women in africa and i posted i have one of these posts that's just a question or whatever and i said what are some of the topics that we don't talk about but that are silently killing us mm-hmm. sam 90 mm-hmm. percent of the responses rape yeah molestation rape molestation rape molestation again and again and again and again and it blew it just i mean i knew that this was a deep-seated rampant problem but the fact that i mean and another group i posted if you're invited to a podcast what topic would you like to talk about it showed up there too i mean that just tells you how pervasive this thing is so we need people like you and people like uh, Ayodeji who are doing this kind of work and to put our own voices behind that. So, so thank you for that, Sam. And I know you're hungry. I'm going to let you go. My day is starting over here, but thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, it was fun. It was good, good catching up with you. Always. All right, Sam. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed our latest episode. 
Share your thoughts in the comments below or by emailing ab at mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, please invite a friend or many. For more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe, please subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different take. And join our online family by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Abi Mambo. Sigashina, stay well.